This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, August 12th, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. Is your state business friendly? Does that status seem to hinge on flashy handouts to big companies making big promises? It may be less sexy, but better policy for lawmakers to focus on more core elements of making a city or state attractive. Peter Caligano, director of the Center for Public Choice and Market Process of the College of Charleston, details some of his research in this area. What is the record generally on state-level economic development? I mean, I, I call them giveaways uh, because they clearly exist to benefit some specific company with promises exchanged about jobs, about uh, the size of the plant, construction, any number of other things. What's, in general, the performance of those uh, promises? Performance has been that unemployment rates don't generally decline, right? We don't see huge growth rates. We do not see even large uh, tax revenues as promised by these things, right? So the record is horrible on these in terms of actually doing the things that they predicted. The number of jobs that they promise seems to be the best indicator of whether or not you're most likely to receive these subsidies or these tax breaks. Uh, but even the number of jobs that are promised never meet up to the standards uh, that they are first set out at. So the big the big uh, one that I can recall right now is Foxconn in Wisconsin. And that was obviously a massive failure uh, of the state uh, engaging in these kind of giveaways. But a lot of these are smaller. They don't really, they sort of fly under the radar. Uh, who benefits from them generally? So the, the economic benefit's not there. The benefits are all political. And this is an argument um, I've been making for quite a while, is that this is a way for politicians to be able to demonstrate that they are, quote unquote, doing something. They're bringing jobs. They're bringing revenue. They're doing things to help grow the economy. And as I just said, that record's not there. So what is there? Um, when firms give away really large gifts, and this is something we've been working on uh, recently in um, researching, um, since around the early 2000s, the Foxconn's one example, right, we're now starting to see these in the billions of dollars. And those states where we start to see those, we're now really seeing big increases in state contributions to politicians and the margins of victory. So there's clearly political benefit in that it's allowing them to stay in office. They get to say they did something. They get to be there at the ribbon cutting. And they get to say that, you know, they're helping grow the economy when, in fact, it's allowing them to remain in office, build up their campaign war chests, and, and retain political power. A lot of these aren't giveaways in the sense that you've identified a company or the company's identified you uh, as uh, the source of a giveaway. Uh, they are categorical giveaways. That is to say, if you're a company who has wants to create X number of jobs in our state, you might qualify for this wonderful uh, program that we've arranged. Is there any evidence that those are uh, being done above board in a sense? The, the marketing of these is that, you know, these are often referred to as, referred to as targeted incentives, right? There's a single firm out there that's supposedly going to get the benefit. And these firms are often marketed to, right? And we don't know uh, who the firms are going to be, right? They always have company X, right? While they're negotiating all of this. 
Um, but the truth is, is that firms have this in their decision-making process, but it's relatively low. They want all the things that they actually need first, right? If they've got real constraints, if they need to be near a port or, you know, transportation um, hubs and things of that nature, those things still matter. Uh, Timothy Barrick has a paper that he did recently where he estimates what percentage of these deals were probably swayed by incentives. And he says it's somewhere in the neighborhood of between 5 and 25% may have actually been impacted by the deals themselves. Otherwise, the firms are locating where they want to locate. One of my old uh, economics professors uh, years ago described the process of handing out uh, some benefit to a particular company. And uh, the way he described it was the company has the mayors or governors fly to them uh, and then they accept presentations by these heads of states uh, making a pitch and they, they come in and make their pitch and then they send them out and they send in the next one and they're just picking the best one. They're picking the best deal for their company uh, to see what they can extract from individual states. And I get the political incumbency uh, benefits that uh, might accrue to a politician who's able to hand out some specific benefit. Um, but to the extent that uh, these companies are just choosing the best deal for their company would seem to make sense for states to get together and say, all right, we're just we're not going to play this game. And, and states are very worried about this. I have talked to many um, state officials over the years who will say, you know, I understand what you're saying, but if we don't do this, if we don't do this in South Carolina, Georgia will, right? Or Alabama will, North Carolina is going to do it. So we have to play this game. And the problem is, is that it is just that. It's a game, right? So where firms are locating is, is again, very... Is, is really dependent upon the real resources they need and then what's the best deal they can get as opposed to maybe just on the real resources and what would be the most economically efficient outcome. But they are, in fact, right, worried about this. They don't understand that they're just moving pieces around the chessboard. The, the macro economy isn't going to grow any larger or smaller, right? Boeing's going to have a plant. GM is going to have a plant somewhere. Um, but they are, and they do realize this, right? And they send out these economic developers and these other teams, right, to, to pitch. Um, and then they come back and uh, politicians always present it as being business friendly, right? Their, their state is business friendly. So the term I like to say is that we not, need to not be business friendly, we need to be market friendly. Because when we target these individual firms, right, we do so at the expense of all the existing firms. So this firm gets a tax break on property, on income tax, right? They get uh, credits for training. They might just simply get a loan for construction. What about the other firms that already are in there and existing, right? They have to shoulder those burdens. Um, and so the tax burdens shift as well, right? So, you know, they are looking for the best deal and, and it's flashy, right? You don't, um, you know, more and more, especially going to the bigger deals are going to the major major firms, right, that are really obvious and visible. So to the extent that states, let's say state lawmakers in particular, I can imagine this would work best when the legislature and the governor are different parties. Um, what should they be focused on if they care about attracting economic development 
and don't want to play these games? What we should be thinking about is how do we create an environment that is attractive to business as a whole, right? So this is things like the state corporate tax rates being relatively low across the board, right? State income tax rates being very low in broadband, um, uh, in broad. North Carolina, uh, several years ago, reformed their tax code to get rid of a lot of loopholes and to basically make it a very low and broad-based tax. Something like that, right, attracts people and firms in, not just firms, but individuals as well, right? So you want to make this an attractive place to live so that the tax policies are not burdensome. Um, You know, we want to do things that we could uh, minimize, say, the regulatory environment across firms. And then from a human capital perspective, right, we need to be thinking about things like education reform and those types of things so that we know that we've actually got the citizens that can actually do the jobs in those places. So if you can say, we have a low and broad-based tax that's going to collect a lot of revenue, so it's not burdensome to live here, but we can afford to pay for our public goods that we provide. We've got a well-educated labor force, right? And we're not regulatory burden. We don't have a lot of regulatory burden. Come to our state regardless, right? We're not going to give you anything. We're just telling you it's a good economic environment in which to thrive. And yet, (laughs) the way the incentives are structured right now everybody seems to be behaving rationally. They're, they're absolutely behaving rationally. Um, did a study a few years ago where we looked at which states are more likely to give out incentives. And it turns out if you have poor tax policy, if you high, have higher tax burdens, especially on um, state income and state property taxes, you are more likely to give away incentives than reform tax policy. It's difficult to reform tax policy. It's burdensome to reform tax policy and change the status quo. Instead, you can target a firm and claim all the benefits that um, most people, they, they see that the firm's there. They don't follow up to know whether or not those economic benefits actually materialized. Right? No one's checking the unemployment rates on a daily basis. No one's looking to see how many jobs did that firm actually create. Um, we see it there. And then we think, oh, yay, they did something and they did something good for us. Uh, South Carolina is, is really bad where I, I'm at. We have one of the highest um, rates on manufacturing uh, industries in terms of the property taxes. The effective rate is incredibly high. And it was written into the Constitution this way. And so rather than try to modify the state Constitution and reform this, uh, politicians have just realized, no, 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 we have, to, we have to give away these incentives. We have to give people tax breaks because uh, we're constrained by the high tax rates that exist in the system. So they're being perfectly rational in terms of their way of saying, that, you know, hey, we need to do something because we know our tax policies aren't ideal. Is, is it just tax reform is hard? I, I mean, I think so, right? No one wants to, um, no one wants to give up their particular advantage, right? Uh, people, uh, politicians are going to um, debate about what is the thing that needs to be reformed, right? Is it to lower the rates and broaden it out, right? What loopholes do you get to keep for your special interest group versus get to go away? Um, you know, dealing with tax policy is not easy, and we would much rather just spend money and give things away, right, than have to actually try to tax people to pay for those things. Again, it's much easier to say that I, I did something for you, right, 
then let me tell you how I changed your tax rate. Peter Caligano is a professor of economics and director of the Center for Public Choice and Market Process at the College of Charleston. We spoke in June. Please give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 